You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Welcome, listeners, to episode 29 of the Book of Nature podcast, a podcast hosted by three Christians who work in the sciences and enjoy talking about all that science-type stuff. Uh, with me today, we have Todd Pedler, professor of physics at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. Uh, Todd, what's new with you? Uh, what's new with me? We have fall break coming in l- now less than a week, and I cannot wait. <laughs> um it's uh, it's just a it's a three day, uh, you know. Friday is off, and then Monday and Tuesday, and I desperately need it. Um, yeah, I'll just put it that way. It's been it's been a busy semester. <laughs> All right. Uh, also joining us is Dan Dawson, assistant professor of the atmospheric sciences at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, how's it going over there, Dan? Oh, not too bad. I'm in the middle of a pretty busy semester, despite the fact I'm not teaching, but I've got several projects going on, probably too many um, proposals, papers, preparing for a conference, but, you know, it's all interesting work. Uh, Happy to be doing it, so. Okay, Uh, and finally, huddled, terrified in a storm cellar. I am Charles Hackney, Associate Professor of Psychology at Briarcrest College and Seminary, located in the Unicorn Meatpacking District of Karenport, Saskatchewan. So today's episode, guys, do you know that uh, this is our fourth anniversary episode? Really? Oh, that's 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 scary. <laughs> yeah. I checked. We, we recorded our uh, first episode in September 2014. I can't believe wow. it. Wow. So, yeah, for four years we've been uh, kicking around doing this. And we're only on 29. And we're only on 29, and well, we're busy people. We, we, we are indeed busy people. <laughs> kind of hard to synchronize schedules. Hey, yeah. I'm, I think it's yeah. great that we're still doing this. Let's do it four more. Four more years? Oh, no, yeah. no. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> not going there. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, on that note. Uh, So today's episode, listeners, uh, it it was, I guess, uh, sort of suggested by me uh, in the last episode when I heard Dan making some disparaging offhand remarks about one of the great accomplishments of the cinematic art form, the 1996 film Twister. So it seems that, uh, I guess, our theme for some of these recent episodes is bad Hollywood science. Hmm. We got done talking about volcanoes. Uh, so, uh, today our resident atmospheric scientist will weigh in and educate us about uh, the rightness and wrongness in this film. Uh, but Todd, uh, we're going to start with you though, so Dan doesn't get all the spotlight. Uh, Thank you. Give us a background. <laughs> <laughs> I, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, Todd, give us a background on the casting and production of this film. Yeah, so... Um, this is kind of interesting. Um, one of the really funny things, uh, uh, well, <laughs> one of the funny things that we that that I that I find in our 
our shows is when we get to poke around in something um, that we don't know much about and we find odd bits that just give that make me laugh. So for, so the thing that, that comes to mind right now is Garth Brooks was apparently meant to star in this film. And I don't know if you guys know that. I suppose Dan does. Um, I actually but, had no idea that. Was but the case. It, well, so there you go. So so I I mean, first of all, I think this just seems uh, ludicrous to me. But anyway, uh, he he apparently was going to star in the film, but the allegedly he turned down the offer from Spielberg because the twister itself would outshine him. Now we probably have to consider the source. But there was a flap with Garth Brooks over Saving Private Ryan, apparently, um, where he turned down a role there because he thought that film would be a flop, uh, which I, having seen it, I, I, I can't imagine that ha- seeing the screenplay, he would have thought that. But anyway, um, so Garth Brooks was supposed to be in it, but he, but he, uh, but he chose not to. Um, well, maybe they uh, couldn't figure out a way to work out him singing "I've Got Friends in Windy Places," <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. or reprising the the, the the twist. But um, but yeah, uh, Helen Hunt was an interesting choice. Um, you know, this is right in the middle of Mad About You, uh, which, if you were twenty something in the '90s, as my wife and I were, you probably watched it every week. Um, Still trying to figure out what the production team saw in her that made her a good candidate to be a serious storm chaser. Um, but uh, Bill Paxton, on the other hand, uh, really natural pick to me, um, having been in Aliens uh, in 1986 in a rather substantial role and Apollo 13, which is still one of my favorite sciencey movies of all time, uh, the previous year, the year before Twister. Uh, he was definitely in the spotlight uh, to uh, sufficiently to to be on the radar, no pun intended there, uh, of of the production team. Um, what I really wanted, though, to be honest, when I saw Twister, was for his character to meet some some doom and say, "Game over, man, game over." Um, but uh, I was disappointed. Um, Another casting decision seems exactly right. And again, I guess you probably, this just dates me and, and, and others my age, but it seems exactly right. And that's Jamie Gertz as, as the fiancé, then ex-fiancé of, of Bill. Um, now, I knew Jamie Gertz first as, a, as a, something of a fluffy snob named Boots St. Clair in everybody's favorite teen girl show, Facts of Life from the mid 80s and this role is boot st Clair grown up uh, as far as i'm concerned um what i had forgotten about you know uh before i i picked through her imdb list uh is that she was also in lost boys um as a half vampire uh very different sort of girl um but uh, really, uh, given, given the way that I guess I saw her in the film, knowing her as Boot St. Clair, uh, it was perfect, uh, uh, given, uh, given her idiosyncrasies. Um, now, correct me here if I'm wrong, but I think this is the, the actor, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who played Dusty. This is the thing that brought him out, right? 
I mean, he, he became he was Truman Capote in Capote. Um, but I don't think there was anything significant before Twister. Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly ruined future uh, Philip Seymour Hoffmore films for me. It was years <laughs> before I could see him in anything, no matter how dramatic and powerful, and not have some part of my brain go, hey, it's the goofy dude from Twister. Yeah, right, yeah. right. I, I have to agree with that. <laughs> now, I, maybe it's just my sense of humor, but I loved him in this film. But, <laughs> oh, I, but, I did, too. But, I thought, oh, yeah. I thought but, his character was great. But I, you know, I, now I, mean, I have it. Very, very much fit the 90s kind of sensibility and sense of humor. Yeah. In fact, um, um, there, there is an individual works at NSSL who I will not name, um, <laughs> but I've worked with him. Good guy. A lot of people, uh-huh. A lot of people come up to him and say, are you dusty? <laughs> because as you know, the NSSL did a lot of advising and stuff oh, yeah. for this film. And so there's some speculation that some of the characters were modeled off of, uh, off of uh, certain people at NSSL. So was he around then? Uh, he was. Wow. I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I actually, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I think he, w- he may not have been around at that exact time, but he definitely was around. Um, he was as a as a student back then. Hmm. He came uh, he came back to um, NSSL later. Hmm. Um, so actually, I, I I can't say 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 that for certain. All I yeah. know is that people do come up and ask him that. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I I'm sure he he rem- he does remind me of a couple of guys who um, I worked with on an experiment that wasn't my PhD experiment, but it was uh, it was one that I did. Uh, work on that while we were waiting for Fermilab to give us the green light to to run what ultimately became the the experiment that I got my PhD from, um, and they 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 were the the two guys I have in mind, uh, both were from Indiana University, uh, interestingly, uh, where I have all kinds of colleagues now, and I seem to be sending my students at regular intervals, um, but these guys were very much like. Uh, incredibly good, but so non-traditional, you know, very, very, uh, very non-traditional uh, uh, science types. They, they, they uh, well, well, I won't go into too much of their personal details, but they, you know, they, they, they just had that same kind of um, combination of, you know, wicked skill with just goofball, you know, personality. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that was kind of fun to see that too. Well, I just checked on this, this, he, the, the person I'm speaking of was not, um, at an SSL during that period. Ah, so, um, would have made a good story. It would have, but, but <laughs> again, there's a, it shares, a, there's some overlap of the personality and, 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 um, and by the way, if he's watching, I, I, I heard listening, I'm sure he <laughs> would be laughing right now at least i hope he would be (laughs) anyway we can move on let's move on that's funny yeah yeah um i'm sure dan you got a kick out of seeing gary england on um because he must have been well known to you oh yeah i mean well um when i first um saw the movie Uh um i was 16 and i was um living in indiana so I had no clue who Gary England was, obviously. Uh, in fact, that didn't even register. You're but then so young. Years, yeah. <laughs> then, well, it's funny because a lot of my students now, they, they, 
I mean, they've seen Twister, but um, I told when I tell them I saw it in the theaters when it came out, they kind of like what? You know, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I was si- I was 16 when mm-hmm. and when it came out, 96. But um, went with my dad. I remember that. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, uh, anyway, um, years later, though, um, when I moved to Oklahoma for grad school, um, yeah. then I became obviously aware that that was indeed Gary England right. uh, cameo from him there. So Right, right, um, right. Okay, so it was the other direction. You, yeah. you, you moved to Oklahoma and said, hey, that's the guy from Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, I, we, so I, yeah, that much for casting. I mean, I think it, it's, it's, a, I think it's a, an interesting cast. I think there are some people who are cast really, really well. Um, production notes we could go on forever on, right? I mean, with a film like this, the main thing you find, uh, the main thing I think most people find interesting and um, memorable about it is is the visual effects. And that did gain it a lot of acclaim. Um, you know, everybody, and I, you know, I am, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Uh, you know, I joked about this when we first talked about doing this film everybody remembers the cgi cow right um <laughs> yep you know the <laughs> which which is one of the funniest lines to me in the film is you know as joe says cow and uh uh then then another cow and bill says something like i think actually i think that was the first that was the same cow that's the same one (laughs) yeah but um what i didn't know was that apparently that cow was originally a cgi zebra from jumanji Um, oh wow so you know they just You've definitely done a lot deeper digging than than oh. I've ever had with this movie. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay, we've we've had how how many months to prepare this one? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. No, but the, they're, they're, the listeners yeah. don't know the comedy of errors leading up to finally recording this oh, episode. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. No, there. So you know, they th- this was there was CGI involved. It was early. Um, I think that's uh, impressive. I think it, you know, it, it, it looks dated when we see it now. Um, but there was, you know, a fair degree of, of, of uh, challenge in, sure. in, in, in making, um, uh, you know, some of the, the things that they, that they included work mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, at the time, that was some fairly cutting edge stuff at that really time. so you know i yeah. mean there's not a whole lot of real footage uh mm-hmm. you know um I, I should say I, I there's a lot of real footage uh just you, you know, mean thing, of- things like things like airplanes you know being used to create wind yeah. um you know uh in one you know one of the things that i also uh uh located was this hail sequence um it took a long time which, to do which was terrible which was terrible and probably the worst part of the (laughs) film as far as the uh the quote-unquote realism is oh yeah oh oh, most definitely but but now now that i've now yeah now that i've dug into this though i i understand why it looked so bad because they couldn't so they 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 couldn't find ice blocks big enough in oklahoma for the hail making machine Mm -hmm. so they had to find them uh, in, in other states around, they got some from the Burling, apparently the Burlington Ice Company in Burlington, Iowa, uh, and the ice blocks were made by pouring milk in with the water, so the hail would show up better. But you know, honestly, when I when I look at that that hail, when I I don't know if it was when I first saw it or second or thirteenth or whatever, um, 
uh, you know, I looked at that hill and it looks like, man, you know, that looks like just big chips of ice that somebody yep. didn't bother to make look hail like. <laughs> yep. And, you know, people, that's one of, you know, people who even have very little weather background or don't live in, you know, tornado country or, or whatever, um, see that and they, they realize it's it, how fake it looks. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's, it's that bad. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> so, it, it was definitely not good. Definitely not good. Um, the tornado sounds apparently are camels. They slowed down the moan of camels. Oh, really? The, the, ro- the roaring sound? <laughs> yeah. The, the growling sound? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, tornadoes totally sound like that. <laughs> well, naturally. Not. I, I, I am absolutely sure that they do sound exactly like that. Um, you know, there are a number of things also uh, that you read about. The the actors uh, had had eye problems after uh, oh, yeah. filming Looking certain at the lights. scenes. Yeah, because, yeah mm-hmm. they had these artificial, you know, uh, Bill Paxton refers to them as sun balls, uh, which were used to create this, the, the weird lighting that you get when conditions uh, are ripe for tornadoes. Um, they had, uh, uh, apparently they, I mean, seriously had issues. They've had to rest for, for days at times because they, um, mm-hmm. they just had, you know, literally spots before their eyes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, so, that was something that I read as well. I was like, Oh yeah. And you got, you got to wonder though, how many movies like this, mm-hmm. um, have similar stories of like, well, I know that there's some that are like this, that where similar stories of the actors just going through all kinds of grueling and frankly unhealthy or, or extremely dangerous, um, things to, to film certain scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but this is, this is one of the, one of them that I didn't know about it before I started looking more into the background of this. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Helen Hunt had, had a shoulder issue, um, because she, <laughs> during the, under the, the, you know, the, the road trestle scene, uh, there at the end, she apparently got either, st- I can't remember now, I didn't write it down whether she was struck by one of the doors flying open or whether she held mm. on to the door and it flew open and she tore something in her shoulder. Um, you know, I, I, a number of, and there are a number of sites that I think we'll put on the, the show notes that have, mm. have a lots of these, um, uh, lots of these little tidbits that I think are, are, I, as you said, um, fairly fairly common in, in, in such films. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some writing issues uh, that I found also. Um, questions about priority, uh, um, about the script, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason Joss Whedon got involved was because of this. Um, Michael Crichton, you know, is, is involved, and I, I may have something to say about him a little bit later. Um, so there's, there's, there's some, some kind of questions about the way, um, the film eventually made it from screenplay to screen. And there were, you know, there were lawsuits and, and, and what have you, um, uh, involved too. But uh, any other things you guys know about? Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit on this and mm-hmm. stay on this topic for just for a couple minutes sure. more. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things that um, I recall from my time in Oklahoma 
talking to various um, uh, NSSL scientists and others there um, about when Twister, when they were filming Twister, um, was that uh, they mentioned how um, friendly um, and uh, engaged uh, Bill Paxton was. Um, he would, you know, ask questions of, of the scientists mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, apparently was just a really all-around nice guy. And so that was one of the things that they pointed out. Um, so I thought that was something that maybe um, I didn't see when I was looking at, you know, various accounts online about this. But it's something that I've heard passed down to me anecdotally. Huh. So I um, thought I'd mention that. Um, there was something else I was going to mention, too. And um, Did it involve promiscuous uh, product placement? Well, yeah, there's definitely that for sure. I mean, the Dodge truck is the biggest, the uh, biggest thing, obviously. That was the pretty much the central to the movie's plot in yeah. in several ways, um, but was just one giant product placement. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, one one, one yeah. would expect that Jolt Cola would have made it into this somehow. <laughs> no kidding, but, but <laughs> nope. That's what I could see Dusty drinking. Oh but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, this was the age it, before it before energy drinks, more, right? The, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't have been more obvious. Yeah. If the actors had actually turned right to the camera and said, "This movie was brought to you by the fine people at Pepsi." Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course the <laughs> Dodge Ram. <laughs> Yeah, the Dodge Ram and the and the, the Pepsi Dodge, yeah, cans. where they actually stopped and go. That's a pretty truck. Yeah, <laughs> a very beautiful truck. Yeah, that's a nice looking truck. Uh -huh. Dodge Ram. <laughs> it really is a nice truck. You got Dodge Ram. You got insurance on that. Well, so on that Dodge Ram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, silicon graphics too, but I mean that's a nerdy thing that nobody's going to know. Right, except for those right. Of us who <laughs> I, yeah. <clears throat> And they're so, not real laptops either, right? I mean, this this is this is what I heard. They actually took LCD screens and and modified them to look like laptops. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't have anything else on that topic, so sure. I, I, I thought it, I had something, but I can't remember what it was. We'll see if it comes up. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> okay then. Uh, well then, Dan, uh, let's get to the science ish stuff sure uh so this this movie is credited with igniting the interest of viewers in the practice of storm chasing uh which uh from what i can see from the movie the technique primarily involves driving straight at a tornado and trying not to die <laughs> uh so how did uh, how did twister do at portraying uh the wild world of tornado hunting oh boy where to start there is a whole lot of stuff here um a mixed bag. I, I will say one thing. It's not not just igni is this movie credited with igniting the interest um, of viewers in, in storm chasing, but also just in, in meteorology in general, severe storms research in general. I mean, Twister probably, if it weren't for this movie, the meteorology program at, at the University of Oklahoma and probably elsewhere too probably would not be where it is today as far as like the size the number of students that came in uh, subsequent developments into building new buildings for like the the National Weather Center probably Twister had at least something to do with that trickling up from that sur surge of students um, that enrolled after uh, in the years following Twister so uh, it really did uh, you talk to a lot of my fellow um, uh, 
my colleagues who are in grad school with me who are, have now moved on to various positions like professorships, um, in some cases NSSL scientists and stuff, a lot of them will tell you that this movie was was instrumental in igniting their interest in meteorology and got them going on that career. So it's it definitely more than the storm chasing, but uh, storm chasing had a lot to do with that. In fact, one of my uh, good friends who I was as a was a longtime storm chasing partner when I was living in Oklahoma. He definitely credit he says that movie was one of the things that really got him into into it. Um, so uh, yeah. So as far as the storm chasing itself, um, what you can kind of consider this movie as doing is it gives you um, a very warped perspective of what of storm chasing really is like. Nevertheless, there are a few glimmers of, of uh, reality in there. So uh, I guess I could start with the, the warped perspective, um, uh, what, what they're getting wrong. The main, the main thing that people point out here, and you, you'll see a lot of people say this, is like, well, real storm chasing is not, you're not just going out there and suddenly there's this tornado and you're, then you're chasing it and then there's another tornado and you get to it and then you can stop for a while and eat um, um, dinner at a you know, nice lady's house and then go out and chase another tornado and so on. And that, as far as it goes, is true. You don't, most storm chasing is um, driving for many hours out to some field in the middle of nowhere, waiting around for a storm to develop, hoping that a storm develops, then hoping that it um, does something interesting, preferably over open terrain, not harming anyone. Um, and then you get maybe on a typical, if you do even do see a storm or a tornado, um, you get maybe 10 minutes of, of uh, the tornado and then that may be it. And you may drive another 300 miles to get back home. A lot of storm chases go like that. Even more go like you go out there and you don't see anything. Maybe you see a storm and maybe even nice, uh, really nice uh, supercell storm, but you don't get tornadoes. Um, which is another thing I, I should go, uh, really quick tangent here I should bring up is that a lot of storm chasing, um, at least for me and for most people that I know who do it, is not just about seeing the tornadoes. You go out there to see the storm structure and things like that too. That's at least as interesting. So it's not all about the tornadoes. I want to want to make it look like that. But um, it does, um, what the movie does is make it seem like it's just really super easy to go out there and get tornadoes and that they're just everywhere. And that's simply not the case. On the other hand, there will be days, if you chase storms long enough, you do it long enough, where you will hit a storm that just is a tornado machine and will produce a tornado, one tornado after another, um, sometimes more than one at the same time. And if you, hap you can come away from a single day uh, where you're seeing multiple tornadoes over a period of two or three hours, um, which, you know, is at least approximating what what Twister is trying to convey um, there. So, but the way they do do it where you're like, oh, okay, you can just stop, you know, at a movie theater or you can whatever and then go on again, that's just doesn't happen. <clears throat> it, it did seem, it did seem like they were chasing uh, a particular cell or set of cells for a very long time. Yeah. Way longer than they seem to be, at least as I hear the news, uh, way longer than they're normally active. Yeah. 
Right, and that that's definitely true. Like the biggest example of that um, was the so the um, later in uh, towards the uh, end of the movie, they um, stop at this um, movie theater, outdoor movie theater. Um, a tornado comes and hits the movie theater. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> okay. Twenty-year-old, twenty-year-old um, film. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's I was saying that mostly uh -uh. Um, in tongue and cheek there, um, and then. Um, they go off, uh, the tornado hits this town where um, Aunt Meg lives, um, the character, um, and they rescue her from her collapsing house. Um, and then, um, then suddenly you see them saying, oh, we got to do something about the, the uh, instruments in this. And they, that's where the Pe Pepsi can product placement comes. So they, <laughs> they have all this time to redesign their instrument and put all these Pepsi can things on, on the, the little um, uh, thingamajiggers. Uh, sensors and uh, then suddenly they're the next scene they're cut they're chasing this huge tornado and it's daylight so that the implication is is that they've been chasing this group of storms you know through one through the afternoon of one day into the night and then into the next well morning into the next morning yeah, yeah. and <laughs> um, that just doesn't that just doesn't happen not like that I mean most most storm chases are going to happen during the um, afternoon evening sometimes into the overnight hours but i definitely try to avoid chasing at night for obvious reasons but generally what happens is that as you know after dark the conditions in the atmosphere that support tornado development start to wane namely the um the uh, atmospheric instability which is charged up by the the sun heating the ground so when you lose that heating the instability tends to go away not always you can still have enough to produce tornadic storms even at all hours of the night in some cases, but this is typically what happens. And then the morning time, the early morning, is probably the, the worst, pos uh, least likely time that you're going to get a tornado like that, that they saw. Now, I don't, um, that was the implication that the, or the, that the movie is giving in that scene, so that's, that's really highly unrealistic. Also, um, Todd, I'm uh, sorry, uh, Charles, you mentioned, um, Something about how you, it looks like from the movie, this chasing just involves dry, trying to drive right at a tornado. And that's another thing that the movie obviously over-dramatized. Um, most storm chasers, not all, but most do not do this. Um, we tend to stay um, away from the tornado at a, at a, at a respectable <laughs> distance, at least, at least a few hundred feet. I'm no. <laughs> um, no. Oh, um, man. Um, no, the the uh, most most chasers are who are being responsible about it um, will stay um, at a you know a distance of of measured in miles um, and not in its path and film it from that angle. Now <clears throat> maybe we'll get to this a little bit later, but um, uh, in the episode, so I'll leave that till later. But uh, we. Um, there are some chasers, for various reasons, who do try to get very close to or into the tornado. Um, and that is um, generally not considered um, very uh, uh, responsible for most uh, on the part of most uh, storm chasers, um, with um, some caveats. But again, I'll leave that till later. Um, but yeah, that's that's also very unrealistic. You're not going to you know, drive out of your way to try to get right next to one. And, and it seems like 
especially that scene when they're driving on the uh, high um, the uh, the bridge over the the lake with the uh, the two tornadoes there, um, mm-hmm. and it's obvious that he's they're like oh we got to get off we got to get out of here and yet he's driving right towards an intercept <laughs> course with the thing, so um, yeah so I I'm I'm just gonna say that certainly. Um, when I'm storm chasing, I don't do that kind of thing. And the vast majority of, of, of chasers don't do that. Yeah. So <laughs> for, for whatever, for research or otherwise. Mm. But, mm. but we'll, we'll, uh, I do want to come back to that, but we'll wait. <laughs> so, sure. yeah. That's because you're not the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I'm not. <laughs> well, some might think I'm extreme even for just doing what, <laughs> I, what, what I do. So, but that's. Okay. So, Todd, uh, mm. back to you. What about the critical response to the release of Twister and the cultural impact of the film? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I, I can be relatively brief and say the reviews were mixed, right? I mean, there, there, there were um, a number of people, uh, a number of uh, uh, reviews you can, you can find relatively easily online, uh, go... You know, go in into some depth in in praising the uh, the special effects and so forth. Um, but then you have you have uh, people like Roger Ebert who will do the same thing, but he uh, says as a drama though it's it's awful. Uh, there, <laughs> there there is um, in fact I believe I believe in his review. Uh, he makes use of the the, uh, the the term the suck zone. And uh, <laughs> and says, uh, in fact, I believe it, it's right in front of me now that I now that I pull it up. Um, as drama, Twister resides in the zone. It has no time to waste on character, situation, dialogue, and nuance. The dramatic scenes are holding actions between tornadoes. As spectacle, however, Twister is really impressive. So he, he he's he's able to grade it in on two scales, as he says. Um, fantastic special effects. Horrible, horrible story. Uh, which uh, you know, I, I can I can I can sympathize with that. Uh, again, I, as we've already said, you know, the, I, I think some of the special effects are actually quite quite spectacular. Um, cow, but, yeah, cow. <laughs> well, I'm thinking more of of the you know of the the the, the tornado uh, spouts themselves. Um, Although I remember Dan talking about the Wizard of Oz as actually being quite good on that score. Oh yeah, if you had, if I had to put a con, put a contest between the effects for the tornado and the Wizard of Oz versus almost any of the tornadoes and Twister, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz one uh, wins hands down. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking, you know, 1930s technology versus, uh-huh. you know, the CGI cutting edge stuff. And right. Um, Numerous. I, 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 again, I can talk about that a little later if you sure. want. But um, there's numerous issues with the CGI effects for the tornadoes. <laughs> so I'll well, just leave it at that for so, now. <laughs> so, so, so the, the movie reviewers are not typically they're not typically meteorologists. So they, <laughs> they, they, they oh, perhaps sure. have a different take. Have a different but take. not even just the meteorology part of it. But, uh, sure. but yeah, we can. 
I'm sure we'll rip it uh, more later. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, Ro- Roger Ebert, who, uh, you know, at the time of the film, the 1990s, uh, he's the, the, one of the go to uh, one of the go to guys as far as reviews. Um, the New York Times uh, was was uh, a little more a little more friendly. Um, although there's a there's a great quote from a New York Times reviewer uh, who says uh, somehow Twister stays as a, as up tempo and exuberant as a roller coaster ride, neatly avoiding the idea of real danger. And like all roller coaster rides, you will throw up. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. I don't recall throwing up at all. Really. So I I thought that was rather amusing. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, I'm not I sure will... I understand that comment. <laughs> <What do you laughs> mean by that? Okay, I'm not sure either. Uh, so uh, mixed reviews, um, to be I guess to be fair. Um, culturally, I mean, I, I I think so. When I when I thought culturally, I'm thinking along the lines of things we had already uh, discussed somewhat, uh, and that is the impact on on meteorology. Um, there's a nice article at Forbes um, by someone on the writing on the death of Bill Paxton um, uh, about um, uh, about the fact that yeah this was this was an encouragement an encouragement to make more popular um, sort of amateur understanding of storms and uh, passion for understanding weather. Uh, I haven't talked to my brother, but I wonder whether uh, this might have impacted his. Um, brief, brief flirtation with with uh, meteorology, although mm. he ended up not not uh, not pursuing it. Um, uh, um, are you referring to um, Marshall Shepard's uh, yeah. article? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The one that you know the, where where uh, he highlights the the you know the the what you might call it the radar scope. Uh, oh yeah. affiliated folks who uh, so radar scope is this uh, this phone app that that I have, I know, I know, uh, I know that Dan does as well, mm-hmm. um, where people can register as spotters and, and their location just, will be just marked. One quick, uh, yeah. there that the spotter network is actually separate from the app. You can Correct. register for it separately, but you can yep. see your position and report it on that app. So right. just wanted to point that out. Not, not that it's really neither here nor there, but yeah, well, yeah. well I, w- I was going to point out the cutesy little thing that they did though, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah, is, go ahead. which is they all lined up in the letters BP, uh, yep. for Bill Paxton, <clears throat> uh, uh, in tribute of, uh, well, presumably the acting in this film and, and yep. the, um, really, which I the, thought the, was really touching. Absolutely. Oh yeah, so absolutely, was, yeah. And they did um, that later for um, for when uh, uh, the Tim Samaras uh, perished mm-hmm. in uh, that tornado in 2013, right. which we might want to talk about. Actually, there's a this is an example of uh, almost of of life uh, um, mimicking uh, Hollywood in some ways, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know the the Marshall Shepard article I'm talking about also points to um, what may be coincidental, but the the fact that NOAA selected the you know the University of Oklahoma as the home for the National Weather Center, you know, uh, reasonably soon after the movie came out. Um, my guess is they had a pretty good shot at it anyway uh, beforehand. Yeah, who knows? But uh, I think there was some something going on there. Yeah, yeah, could to could, could well be uh, um, President Trump something. Like <laughs> that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So anyway. um, we'll post the link to that article, too, because I think it was it was uh, it, it was a nice one. Um, Twister also uh, sort of is uh, perhaps the harbinger of a number. Yeah, right. Of I understand that. Weather yeah. disaster or climate disaster type films. Uh, Perfect Storm comes out in 2000. Uh, the Day After Tomorrow comes out in 2004. Okay. Um, what other? Uh, 2012. Uh, 2012 yes, comes out in 2009. So. Um, and 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 the, and the beat goes on. I mean, all the way to things like San Andreas, which uh, I will admit to have watched on a trans-Pacific uh, flight, uh, just because there was really nothing else that seemed appealing. Um, I'm not sure. I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> it's a pretty bad movie. Um, but also, you know, Twister is right in the midst of. Uh, obviously, unless there's some temporal distortion, didn't influence Waterworld, but Waterworld's mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, 1995, I think. Um, yeah, and The American President, which uh, mm-hmm. uh, has a climate angle to it <laughs> within. Um, so, you know, I did Twister, you know, Twister was still, I mean, it, it may have been panned, but it wasn't unsuccessful as a film. And I, I, I do think it had some kind of, uh, you know, at least some encouragement for people to explore oh, really? with sort of wow. big budgets and and, uh, uh, and and special effects, the issues surrounding mm-hmm. climate uh, and, and other you know, natural disaster type things. Um, and then, you know, then, of course, there's Sharknado and and the metal tornado. Whatever. Yeah. I, I pointed this out to you guys off air at one point in time but there's this metal tornado movie where apparently some device makes tornadoes that rip up metal from everywhere how have i not heard of this one (laughs) well i'll point oh you know what it was me and charles talking the one of the times we tried to get you on and you were having issues wow charles and i went through the whole catalog of ridiculous tornadic uh movies and there's there is a immense oh, number sure. of them. I, I can't remember. There was this one that I watched uh, a long time ago. It was it was after Twister. Uh-huh. Uh, I just can't remember the name of it, but it featured um, a scientist who was trying to put a device in a tornado, which, you know, is... Apparently a, they do. They do <laughs> try to put and have done so. Um, yeah. And, in fact, uh, the um, one of the things that we didn't mention was that... Um, uh, Dorothy, uh, um, the mm-hmm. the device in a, was actually modeled loosely after an actual um, uh, an actual instrument package called yep. uh, Toto, the Totable Tornado Observatory. But uh, yep. uh, anyway, um, the uh, this movie, oh man, it, I'm trying to remember the basic plot. It, it's really fuzzy, but um, the basic plot was. Um, there was a scientist who was trying to do this, and he had, I don't know, a relative or somebody, a friend or somebody who was just completely um, not impressed with scientific studies of tornadoes, um, so thought that, you know, that it was worthless and useless and that tornadoes were going to do whatever they wanted to. He said something like a tornado's got a gallbladder and, uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and a soul and, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know things like that. And like it was you know, treating it like some living thing and that it, you know, with an agency, you know, and, yep. um, and I just only scene I remember from that movie is the end where like the instruments out, there's this huge tornado coming, um, it hits the place, but then the instrument, like one of the tripod legs that's 
dug into the ground, loosened, so it's threatening to bit, get ripped away. And then this guy who the whole time had been disparaging the scientist, he rushes out there and hammers it back in as the tornado overtakes him. So he's like becomes the <laughs> hero at the last minute. To, you know, um, I gosh, I can't remember what that movie was. I'm going to have to see if I can find out. But uh, yeah, um, well, if you yeah, if you ever want if you ever want to spend like a weekend, you could watch tornado movies. Oh yeah, back all the way back for you know 1943. There's one called Tornado. Yeah, uh, apparently. Um, and there's um, uh, there are several there are several called Tornadoes. There's another one in 2004. There's one that's called Night of the Twisters, which. Um, I, it's not a very good movie, um, but <laughs> it it is um, it is actually believe it or not modeled after a real event. In the mm. in the movie, the, is there's literally what it sounds like: Night of the Twisters. There's like yeah. tornadoes um, that that menace this town. Several tornadoes, all mm. in the same town, and and one after the other. Um, and while they over dramatize it, this actually happened. Um, mm -hmm. In 1980, in Hall County, Nebraska, there was a very slow-moving tornadic supercell, nearly stationary, mm -hmm. um, sat over this town and produced something like seven or eight tornadoes mm -hmm. um, that did all kinds of uh, um, cycloidal paths over parts of the town and the outskirts for a period of like, I want to say, two or three hours, maybe a little bit mm -hmm. longer. Um, so it was, it was, um, it was. Uh, Stuff like that can happen. <laughs> it's very sure, rare, sure. but um, uh, so there's there's other ones like that. That's just another example. Oh but, yeah, mm -hmm. oh yeah. No, that, uh, there were there were three movies in 1996 uh, on tornadoes. I mean, one of them is one of the tornado movies mm -hmm. called Tornado, and then there is that uh, that one you mentioned, and then of course Twister. Um, but then you know, I I don't know what got people into the ridiculous uh, uh you know the, the ridiculous things of sharks and tornadoes and i uh, one called ice twisters oh and yeah one called atomic twister yeah uh where we're gonna have nuclear meltdown uh because twisters uh slam into a nuclear plant or something yeah that sounds like a good drink <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'll have an atomic uh, twister yeah <laughs> i imagine it exists somewhere uh, uh, well, and one I definitely am going to watch is is New York City Tornado Terror from uh, from 2008. Anyway, so I, it may be that the twist spawned a whole bunch of responses. Oh, uh, sure, and of this type. I I I'm sorry, I can't resist. Um, but yeah, go there's ahead. there's um, um, the day after tomorrow was one of those disaster movies that sort of followed <laughs> long after this, right? And the root uh, no, the original, yeah. um, not no, not the day after tomorrow. Um, Category uh, five, category six, um, day of destruction or something like that. Oh, yeah. And there were several of the others after that, like category seven, the end of the world. Or uh, <laughs> I'm probably mangling the uh, the titles. But in this category, okay. in this movie, which is a terrible movie, okay, I'm just gonna say it right out. It, it um, it's three hours long. There's there's um, basically a big storm system that's moving across the U.S. But um, Randy Quaid plays a storm chaser Ooh. in that movie and he's got it and he's got a this van and everything and by golly um the way he portrays the storm chaser is one of the better portrayals of a storm chaser in a movie i've seen and i'm not i'm not lying mm -hmm. even though the movie and the setting and the everything else is just terrible he almost redeems that movie single-handed <laughs>
Oh, not so quite, that's, but that's so, that's yeah. so funny. I'm just well, I just what, wanted to it, like put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, and that's, you know, also that's should amazing. point out that uh, that tornado movie in uh, 1996, which is tornado with an exclamation mark. Yes, yes, right. yes. stars <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Oh, uh huh. Bruce Campbell uh, versus now you a said whole, you might versus watch a it. tornado. Yeah, have you nice. watched it? Yet? I have not, but it's on the list. It's I'm Bruce sure Campbell. I did at some point, but it was probably so forgettable that I don't have any memory of it. Yeah. Well, it's also got Ernie no, I, Hudson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One one last thing I was going to say. This isn't necessarily Twister per se, but, you know, when Twister comes out, um, when it comes out, it is it is in the midst of, like, Michael Crichton phenomena. Sure. You know, Michael Crichton time. Everything he's writing is turning into a movie. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. He had really an, you know, something of I, I think an inordinate impact on uh, on our our our, our, our cultural um, realm. You know, and really that's certainly when I it comes start- to scientific uh, you know stuff like sci- oh, popular yeah. science and stuff. He and sure. his, and his novels that touched on a lot of stuff certainly had a big impact. I think. Well, so ER is his too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, which is another one of these shows that we watched all the time. Um, but you know, Andromeda Strain, and sure. Jurassic Park, of course, and Sphere, which is I I've not seen it. It's I it's no I, it's not bad, is it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, that's the one with um, uh, uh, Dennis Hoffman, right? I I think so, but I'm not. I haven't seen it, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not it had sure. Dennis Dustin Ho- know, Dustin Hoffman. I can't. Dustin, yeah, Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Sorry. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and Congo, uh, mm. Congo is another one, um, mm-hmm. and Lost, Lost World, and so you know Michael Crichton is like the star, the superstar mm-hmm. uh, at this point in time. And I happen to like his writing; I think he's, I think he's quite talented. Um, anywho, uh, enough about that. I'm sure we could go on for days. I want to hear what Dan has to say, though. Uh, so let's move on. Okay, you asked for it. <laughs> All right, Dan, science time. The leash is off. Let's have it. What about right. the portrayal of the storms themselves in this movie? What egregious mistakes are on display in this fine slice of cinematic cheese? Did they get anything right? And, uh, okay, so tell us, what what is this F scale they keep talking about with uh, you know, one scene featuring the characters stopping everything and reacting to the mention of an F5 as if someone had spoken the name of Voldemort? Okay, I can answer the last question first. Um, you should. Uh <laughs> The F scale is um, short for Fujita scale. It's named after um, a famous tornado scientist, Ted Fujita, um, who um, was, uh, well, he, he, he wrote a lot of the book on tornado science, to be honest. He did a lot of uh, studies back in the 70s um, and, and about, uh, for tornadic storms. He, his, um, was, he was very good at documentation and analysis of of real world tornado events. He was very, very exacting in um, his uh, in his analyses of those. Like he would map out tornado tracks, debris swaths, and stuff. Um, and at some point, he came up with the idea of of uh, rating the tornadoes based on a scale um, <clears throat> that correlated maximum winds in a tornado near the ground with uh, the amount of damage that they did for different kinds of structures and and so on. And um, so an F0 would be the weakest. Um, 
and all the way up to F5. Actually, the original scale, if you look in the paper, goes all the way up to F12, which um, would be Mach 1 wind speeds. Um, but um, the, this, the actual scale um, that is, was used was cut off at F5 and just was open-ended above that. Um, because above F5, basically, it's going to be total destruction for most structures. So that was, um, that's the basic idea behind the, the Fujita scale. Um, the original scale, so had um, F0 winds would be in, uh, less than 73 miles per hour. Um, and F5 would be between 261 and 318 miles per hour as the maximum winds. So that sort of gives you an idea of the bookend there. Um, F4 and F5 are considered in the in standard parlance in, in, in the literature as violent tornadoes. Um, anything above uh, um, F2 would, would have been considered a significant tornado. Um, and actually, even to this day, a lot of studies that um, look at tornado statistics will actually leave out a lot of the F0s and, or and maybe even the F1s because um, they're, um, they're not as um, easily documented as um, uh, the statistics on them are probably not um, as, as well. There's a lot of contamination and things. I'm not going to get into all of that, um, mm -hmm. but a lot of times those are left out for a lot of, a lot of the analyses. But an F0 can still ruin somebody's day if you get <laughs> tangled in one. So uh, any tornado is going to be dangerous. Um, <clears throat> so um, so that's the Fuji. So can I interrupt? Them? Yeah, go ahead. There's a problem with the F, with the Fujita scale in this movie, though, right? Yes. There's the, 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 the problem, um, and I should mention before I talk about that, is that the F scale has since been supplanted by the so-called enhanced Fujita scale, which mm -hmm. has added a lot more damage indicators. So now we can look at things like how trees of different species, what how badly they're damaged to sort of estimate the winds, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and several other things. Um, uh, they also have lowered the wind speeds required to be a certain category. So an EF5 um, has lower wind speeds. I think it's like 200 to 240 or something. Um, uh, yeah, um, actually anything greater than 200 miles per hour yeah. is an EF5. Um, and uh, so um, because it, as, as the science progressed, we realized that it didn't take as strong of winds as we thought to do a lot of the, these da this damage. Of, mm -hmm. of a certain category. So uh, again, to give you an idea, an, an, an EF5 would be, is capable of what we call, I mean, colloquially slabbing a house, basically completely mm -hmm. wiping a house off its foundations, a well-built house off its foundations, mm -hmm. one that's actually anchored properly. Um, uh, even a weaker tornado can, can completely wipe a, a house off its foundation if it's not anchored properly but <clears throat> mm -hmm. whereas an EF0 is going to maybe rip some uh, shingles off break some branches off trees and things like that uh, okay so the problem with the F scale in the movie is that they are calling the F scale in real time while they're storm chasing and the F uh, a tornadoes can only be rated on the F scale after the fact after there's a damage survey to look at what kind of damage it uh, produced um, and then estimate what the winds were. Um, you just can't do that in real time. You cannot tell by looking visually at a tornado what scale it is most of the time. Um, you can't tell, well, I would say all the time you can't tell. You, you might be able to get some idea of 
um, based on a lot of experience, whether a tornado you're looking at is, you know, going to be more or less intense than another. But it's there's a huge error bars. Let's put it that way um, for that kind of way of looking at it. Certainly, you can't peg the F scale. Um, radar, um, particularly mobile radar, has been used to help rate tornadoes before. So at least potentially, if you have a radar that's close enough to a tornado that's scanning low enough, you can use that information to estimate its F scale, F scale intensity. But in the movie, that's not what's going on. They're basically calling it out like Dusty at one point is listening to the radio. It's like, oh, it's an F3, you know, we got to go or whatever. Or NSSL is predicting an F5. Um, that, first of all, there's a couple of problems with that statement. One is NSSL doesn't, isn't in the business of predicting. They're doing the, the basic research behind the predictions. It's the Storm Prediction Center that predicts, um, that does the, the forecast for, um, and they do forecasts for, like, conditions for tornadoes, not tornadoes themselves. Um, so they're the ones that put out tornado watches um, and the outlooks. But they don't predict individual tornadoes. They might say that that a particular setup is conducive for particularly strong tornadoes. They might do that, but they won't predict individual tornadoes, let alone their, their um, F scale. That's the basic idea that of how well, so, that was wrong there. Well, yeah, but, uh, so I had something slightly simpler in mind. Oh. <laughs> um, the, the, the original, the, 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 uh, the, the prologue, the story from 1969. Oh, right. Girl. Yeah. It's an, an, it's an anachronism. Out, yep. They're calling out a, an F. An, well, so they're calling live time an F scale for a tornado, and the, uh, and, and the scale is invented two years later. That's right. Yeah. There, there was a yeah. temporal um, uh, inaccuracy there. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. point. I forgot about that. Well, when you get a really powerful twister, it can actually open up a time vortex. Ah, yes, I forgot that. Yeah. That's the next movie. <laughs> time <laughs> Twisters. Time. <laughs> that hey, sounds like I'm, a good I, film. So anybody out there heard that? I've got the rights to that. You don't have to pay me <laughs> royalties. Right. Okay. Let's call up Spielberg. It, yeah. Uh, so, um, so that's the F scale. Um, so other mistake. Gosh, I could go on and on for this. So um, one thing is um, it's not really a mistake per se, but it's something that, that if that – Probably only a only a severe storm meteorologist or somebody who's uh, uh, or storm chaser who's familiar with chasing would would notice is earlier in the movie when when Bill's character first um, goes up um, to uh, uh, to uh, uh, meet up with the storm chasers um, with his fiance and um, goes and talks to um, uh, Joe's uh, Joe Helen Hunt's character and they're looking they're just talking about the setup and like, oh, this is a big, you know, biggest, big setup in a long time. And, you know, and um, there's storms firing all up and down the dry line, which, by the way, is relatively accurate phraseology. A lot of times that's how s storms develop is on the dry line. But then they pan over, they cut to a scene where they're looking off in the distance at a storm in the, on the horizon, which is a righteous looking storm. And it's fairly far away, and they're just kind of looking at it and saying, yeah, yeah, there it is, the sky's talking. And then they move off of it. And I'm sitting there thinking, after the fact, once I had done enough chasing and stuff, I'd be like, if I would have seen that on the horizon, I wouldn't be sitting around yakking about it. I would be going over to it. I would be targeting that storm, you know, something like that. So that was just a little thing. But um, another big problem 
is the way the tornadoes are portrayed visually um, and the type of clouds that they are developing out of, for the most part, is really inaccurate. Um, particularly the first few where they show the, the cloud base is really high um, and it's not the, the type of cloud a tornado would develop out of. It's the, this, the type that they're showing there is this sort of stable um, um, cloud that um, forms in stable conditions or behind cold outflow and they have the tornado coming down out of that. Um, so that's another uh, scientific uh, problem there. Um, there's no such term as sisters. Um, that there's uh, one of the tornadoes like, oh, we got sisters. I've never heard anybody use that ever, either colloquially or in, li in the literature. Um, you can have tornadoes with multiple vortices, like two vortices, but the way that one is portrayed, it's spinning the opposite direction from what the individual vortices are. And in fact, it would be the, you would have two vortices rotating mm. around each other counterclockwise, and each one would be spinning counterclockwise. And they have, a, if I recall correctly from the scene, it's actually they're rotating around each other clockwise while both of them mm. are rotating counterclockwise, which is just <laughs> bizarre. It's, thermo, it's fluid dynamically, I'm not going to say impossible because somebody might come up and show me how it could happen, but um, it, it's not how tornadoes behave. Um, but you do, you can get multiple vortices, um, but they're just not called Except that. Except um, it's dusty, though, that says it, right? It, so, <laughs> is it? I, uh, I, think I don't it's remember. Dusty that says <laughs> yeah. It, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, okay. I mean, it's just a dusty, is there, it? There's a lot. There's, yeah. And, well, there's a lot of phrases that they're throwing around mm. throughout the movie that are real phrases, <laughs> but they're used in completely in the wrong context. Like, for example, the cone of silence when they're speaking, when it, when the, when it gets really quiet at that one point, that's the cone of silence refers to the region above a radar that the radar can't see because it's not pointing in uh -huh. that direction. It's a cone. That's what, that's the, what the cone of silence is used to refer to, not to this silent mythical period <laughs> before a tornado hits. Um, uh, and then there's, um, oh golly, I, I can't, I, I can't even think of other ones right off the top of my head now. So um, anyway, it's there's just a lot of those little things. If I think of something else, maybe I'll interject it later. But um, um, as far as what they got right, um, um, I do think that the idea of having multiple sensors um, going into a, a tornado like this and tracing out the flow isn't by itself a bad idea. Um, in fact, there are some efforts recently to try to um, use these quote, what are called neutrally buoyant um, like floaters or whatever with instruments that basically will are supposedly just fly along with the wind and transmit back, not to the scale that we're talking about here with multiple ones that are just you know being tossed around. The way they had these set up probably wouldn't work very well um, because they're they're not going to be tracing the flow properly because they're going to be moving against it a little bit. They're going to be centrifuged out and so um, just like debris. So, but at least the basic idea isn't terrible. Um, the logistics of it are very difficult. So that's one of the reasons why, it, probably one of the reasons why it hasn't been somebody hasn't actually tried to do something like that. Um, 
like the telemetry of getting all the data back in real time <laughs> would be a nightmare, I think. Um, and um, but I'm no I'm no instrumentationist or engineer, so. But uh, so that's not that's one of the things. Um, and again, that was modeled loosely after a real probe called uh, Toto, which didn't have all those little sensors in it, but was about the same size and shape as Dorothy. And in fact, if you go to the National Weather Center in Norman, Oklahoma, and book a tour, you can go to their website and book a tour, um, you will see both of the, the original Toto and Dorothy, the actual Dorothy from the movie, the prop, um, side by side um, hmm. in a little display there. Uh, so as far as it being inspired by real world stuff, that's pretty hmm. fairly accurate. Um, what else? I think overall, um, I th the, the scientists are portrayed in a, um, you know, mostly a good light. Um, and, uh, you know, with the exception, of course, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Jonas character. But, um, yeah. um, but uh, <clears throat> uh, so I like how they do that and that they're, they're, they're saying, you know, the scientists are the heroes of the story. You know, they're trying to you know, learn more about this stuff to save lives, et cetera. And I like that, that they were trying to emphasize that um, because that's what tornado scientists are trying to do. Uh, yes, we're wanting to learn more about the storms for the sake of science, but we hope that we can apply that knowledge to, to actually improve warnings and things like that. So, um, and, you know, uh, overall, I think the quality, while there's lots of things to you know, make point fun of, poke fun at, and say, oh, that's just flat out wrong. Um, compared to a lot of the subsequent disaster movies, it, a lot of those, these subsequent ones make Twister really look like a doctoral <laughs> dissertation. I mean, um, as, as bad as a lot of the science, uh, portrayal of science. And as long as you're going towards it with this idea is, okay, this is highly dramatized. There's a lot of, you know, you know, the, a lot of the uh, phrases and stuff are being used out of context, but it's just for f fun, for a blockbuster, for being entertained, then it's fine. And, and that's why I, well, how I mm -hmm. enjoy it when I watch it. <laughs> um, and I like to heckle it because <laughs> it's just fun to heckle it. Right. But, um, the other, uh, okay, I do remember another thing, and a, a couple of the articles online point this out, is that the tornadoes, if you look at how they're portraying the wind field around them, um, particularly towards the end with that big, the largest one that's coming towards them across the field as they go, as Bill and Joe are heading, trying to get shelter. Um, uh, the the uh, windmill there, the way it spins around makes it look like the wind right. is blowing out of the tornado when it's, in fact, the opposite is true. Tornadoes, um, they suck. They don't, they don't blow. So um, they pull in the air. They don't blow it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> So the air comes in really low to the ground in the lowest 10 meters above the ground or so maybe, um, and radially inward, um, spins around and then spirals up the vortex and then goes out uh, up into the, uh, the rest of the storm. Um, so uh, it's in, up, and out, high up is, is, the, flow, is, the, uh, part, is the flow around it, w along with the spin, of course. Mm -hmm. So it's a helical flow. Um, not blowing out from it you know and you see some of this is where some you can see the special effects even at the time i thought were hmm. not that great was a scene where where the 
that the tornado is tossing that big tanker truck um, and it hits the ground and explodes and the fireball just flies up, <laughs> not even being distorted by the wind. In, in, it should have spiraled yeah. into the vortex. And, of course, you know, that was likely the limitations of what they could do at the time. But, uh, but that was one thing I noticed. Even when I was 16, I noticed, like, hey, that doesn't <laughs> look right. Um, uh, and uh, so, yeah, and like I said, so I covered most of the bases. The, 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 the tornado effects, the, I really thought the, mo the, the overall, the, the tornado effect of the last tornado, the big dusty tornado, was not bad. Um, I've seen tornadoes that look like that, um, but a lot of the other ones just didn't look very realistic. In the way they had the cloud, them coming out of the clouds, was was uh, not accurate at all. Yeah, the w uh, yeah. But I could to go on forever, so I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I did think that the water spouts <laughs> were just a little bit too much for me, but. Well, I just thought they just they. I don't know what it was about it that just the they, <laughs> they just looked yeah. off the phys the effects just. You know, they sure. they just looked really fake. That those yep. ones in particular looked fake, um, and I don't really can't put my finger on exactly why, other sure. than what what I already said. But um, but tornadoes can toss vehicles like the that when Jonas his vehicle gets mm -hmm. you know tossed and, and ends up that that can happen, it does happen. Um, and in fact, this is where I'm glad I mentioned that because this was where I was going to say part of where real life um, tragically um, mm -hmm. mimics Hollywood was in the 2013 El Reno, May, May um, 31st, 2013 um, El Reno tornado in Oklahoma. We call it the El Reno tornado. It didn't actually hit mm -hmm. the town, but it was close to it. We tend to call tornadoes by the towns they're closest to. Um, anyway. Um, this was a big, very big tornado. I may have mentioned it on the show before. I was actually mm -hmm. chasing it that day, and it chased me for a while, um, my <laughs> wife and I. Um, and uh, but we got out of the way, and we were we were fine. But um, one uh, a tornado scientist uh, by the name of Tim Samaras um, had an engineering background, not not a meteorology background, but got really fascinated with tornadoes and started developing these instrumented probes um, to measure pressure mainly. In the tor inside of real tornadoes, and he um, was one of the first, if not the first, to actually successfully get high-quality data inside of a tornado um, with these instruments. So he was doing this for a while, and he was well respected by 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 storm chasers, um, amateurs, um, researchers, um, other meteorologists. He was very well respected. Um, he took a lot of risks, but he kind of had to to do what he was doing to get the the probes in the way so but he was he was otherwise very well respected anyway he was uh, unfortunately killed by this tornado um, after trying to deploy the probes um, the this was at the stage of the tornado's life cycle where it was intensifying rapidly and also growing in size rapidly the two aren't always correlated by the way you can have very strong small tornadoes and, and weak large tornadoes but um, in this case, and in many other cases, there does tend to be a correlation with strength and size. But it was intensifying and growing in size very rapidly, and it had multiple vortices. And in this case, it was so large, the tornado was at least um, two and a half miles wide, and some, by some estimates, maybe even larger than that. In fact, it is officially the largest tornado on record. 
um, as far as horizontal width is concerned of the of the damaging winds. Um, and uh, it had multiple vortices, but each one of those sub-vortices, and again, think of like beads rolling around a circular rack, okay, uh, is how this kind of works, um, uh, like ball bearings or something, and each one of the ball bearings is a vortex, um, or an egg beater, think of an egg beater. Um, <clears throat> so um, each one of these subsidiary or um, vortices uh, was itself, if it had been by itself, would have been considered a large tornado in its own right. But it's actually part of the larger tornado in this case. Um, and one of those, and those at one point were rotating around the tornado at about 150 to 180 miles per hour. That's, that's not the wind speed. That's the translational, that's the m forward motion of the vortex across relative to the ground. The winds in them were probably double that, um, at least. And um, unfortunately, one of those, we were um, some, through, through some forensic analysis after the fact and correlating with radar data and some other things, it looks like what happened was one of those caught his vehicle and tossed it a, quite a distance, mangled it up in a field, and unfortunately killed all three of the passengers, including Tim Samaras, his son, and an, uh, one of another uh, scientist who was working with him. So that was a very tragic uh, event, but I just immediately thought of that scene um, as uh, when I when I realized what when I heard about how they think it happened. So um, yeah, and that was uh, that was uh, by itself a fairly that kind of rocked a lot of uh, storm chasers' worlds as far not in a good way. Um, and uh, certainly it had an effect on how, um, that day had a big effect on how I approached storm chasing. But hmm. that's another story. Okay then. Uh, well, we are uh, past the hour mark, so we should probably uh, start heading toward the door on this one. Uh, listeners, if you have any feedback or requests for episodes, uh, find us on Facebook. Or you can email us at bookofnaturepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the Book of Nature is a production of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Our press liaison is Christian Philippic. And so, on behalf of Dan Dodds Dawson and Todd Pedler, I am Charles Hackney, thanking you for joining us for another hour or so inquiring into the Book of Nature. If you like the episode, send us an email, find us on Facebook, leave a review at iTunes. Look for us next time when we will be discussing artificial intelligence uh, and the many perils thereof. Skynet. <laughs> uh, until then, listeners... Uh, as we are recording just before uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, I'll leave you with these Canadian, theme, uh, Canadian Thanksgiving-themed words of wisdom from my seven-year-old daughter. If a turkey could talk, he would say, Don't eat me! Have a chicken! Gobble, gobble! Don't gobble me up! <laughs> <laughs>